Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee, by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by Hunt a Killer. We all know that life can get so busy. With things like work, chores, school pickup, and drop-off, sometimes I feel like I never get time to sit down and spend some quality time with my husband and my friends. Well, that was until we found Hunt a Killer. Hunt a Killer is a new way to do game night that gives us the opportunity to have fun, work together, and investigate a crime without even having to leave the house. Hunter Killer is a murder mystery subscription box. With each delivery, you'll get to sift through piles of documents, evidence, audio recordings, and case files, eliminating suspects and identifying murder weapons until you crack the case and catch the killer. It's like an escape room delivered right to your door. Everyone in our house loves Hunt a Killer because it's challenging enough to be fun and you can do it over Zoom with friends near and far. With over 100,000 subscribers and over 2,000 five-star reviews, you know you're in for a good time. Don't think you have time for a subscription? Well, there's plenty of other one-off mysteries and collections of seasons that need some solving. Oh, and my favorite part of this whole experience... 
Part of the proceeds from every box goes to the Cold Case Foundation, an organization that is dedicated to helping real-life cold cases. I have played through a few different Hunt a Killer mysteries, and let me tell you, we are always screaming with excitement as we unravel some of the best true crime stories I have ever read. And you know I read a lot of true crime stories. Right now, you can go to huntakiller.com slash morning and use the code morning for $10 off of your order. Again, make sure you use the code morning for a $10 off discount at huntakiller.com slash morning. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder... A murder may not always be straightforward or black and white. On February 12th, 1989, a man was killed in a case that, to this day, leaves many scratching their heads. A case that, in the eyes of many, involves the police, government, and the entirety of the United Kingdom and its officials. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Patrick Finnegan was born on March 21st, 1949 into a prominent Republican family living on Falls Road, Belfast. He was the oldest of eight children who, at the start of the Troubles, were all forced out of their childhood home. In 1972, one of his brothers, John, a member of the Provisional Irish Republican Army, the IRA, was killed in a car crash while another brother, Dermot, successfully contested the attempts to extradite him for his alleged part in the killing of a prison officer and became one of the 38 IRA prisoners who escaped from the maze in 1983, while a third brother, Seamus, was the leader of the West Belfast unit of the IRA before his arrest in 1976 for an attempted bombing at a furniture store and was the fiancé of Mariette Farrell, one of the IRA trio shot dead by the Special Air Service in March of 1988. So, feeling as though he had a lot to live up to and amend, Patrick, a graduate from Trinity College, worked hard to become a lawyer who specialized in criminal defense work and, all the while, marrying a woman named Geraldine and welcoming three children. Soon he rose to prominence for his successful challenge of the British government in several human rights cases throughout the 1980s and became the man behind the well-known IRA hunger striker Bobby Sands. He also represented other IRA and Irish National Liberation Army hunger strikers who died in the 1981 Mays prison protest and one of the three men shot and killed by the Royal Ulster Constabulary in 1982 shoot-to-kill incident. He was a man with many, many supporters, but of course, a few long-held enemies. On February 12, 1989, Patrick Finnegan was shot and killed in his home in Fort William Drive in North Belfast. His wife, Geraldine, was slightly wounded during the attack that was witnessed by all three of their children, who hid underneath their kitchen table and watched everything. According to his family and the investigation that followed, Patrick was shot with a Browning high-power 9mm pistol and a 38 revolver. The killers were masked men who shot him 14 times, 12 of which were fired while standing over him at close range, after knocking down the door with a sledgehammer while the Finnegans were sharing their Sunday meal. Patrick's murder became the most controversial during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, 
and the Royal Ulster Constabulary, the RUC, immediately opened up an investigation of who could possibly be responsible for the high-powered murder. The senior officer heading the case was Detective Superintendent Alan Simpson, who ran the investigation for six weeks and noted, from the very beginning, the lack of intelligence being shared from other agencies regarding this murder. Patrick's murder, almost from the instant it happened, was widely suspected by human rights groups perpetrated in collusion with officers of the RUC, with the Ulster Defense Association slash Ulster Freedom Fighters, claiming that they killed Patrick because he was a high-ranking officer of the Provisional Irish Republican Army, the IRA, though the police claimed at his inquest that there was no evidence to support this claim. His family, who had strong Republican links, denied Patrick was part of the IRA, but informer Sean O'Callaghan that he attended an IRA finance meeting in 1980. In 1999, with still no answers in this case, a third inquiry into Patrick Finnegan's murder was held to investigate the allegations of collusion between the security forces and the Loyalist paramilitaries, and found that there was indeed some collusion in the murders of both Patrick and a man named Brian Adam Lambert in 1987. Murders that were, as a result of this inquiry, connected to an RUC special branch agent, Loyalist quartermaster, and member of the UDA named William Stoby, who was charged with supplying one of the pistols used to kill Patrick Finnegan. His trial would later collapse entirely when he claimed that he had given information about his actions to his special branch handlers, and that the pistol belonged to the UDA, which, in August of 1992, was a legal organization under the British law. And another suspect, a member of the Army Forces Research Unit named Brian Nelson, was thought to have provided information about Patrick's whereabouts and claimed he alerted his handlers about the planned killing and that they chose not to act. In 2000, Amnesty International demanded that the Secretary of State of Northern Ireland open up yet another public inquiry into Patrick's murder. And in 2001, an agreement between the UK and Irish governments established that an international, and hopefully impartial, judge would investigate, not just Patrick's case, but the unsolved cases of many others. Retired Canadian judge named Peter Corey was appointed to investigate the allegations of collusion by the RUC, British Army, and the Guardi that resulted in the deaths of many during the Troubles. And in April of 2004, recommended public inquiries be established for Patrick's murder. The hard drives of his inquiry were wiped by MI5 in 2002. In 2003, the British government Stevens Report concluded that the killing was, in fact, carried out with the collusion of the police in Northern Ireland and that Patrick was not a member of the IRA. And in September of 2004, a man named Ken Barrett, an Ulster Defense Association member who was supposedly recruited as an informer by the RUC's special branch after confessing, pleaded guilty to the murder of Patrick Finnegan. This came after his taped confession, which was lost in 1991, suddenly resurfaced. In June of 2005, as a result of this sudden conclusion, the then-Irish Prime Minister told the U.S. Special Envoy to Northern Ireland that, quote, everyone knows the U.K. government was involved in the murder of Patrick Finnegan, with most believing he was killed by loyalist paramilitaries from the UDA, which was acting in collusion with connection with British security services. 
On March 17, 2006, the United States House of Representatives passed a resolution calling on the British government to hold an independent public inquiry into Patrick's murder. And after significant international pressure, they agreed to do so in 2007, but were met with criticism by Patrick's family, who announced that they would not be cooperating. Geraldine, now a widow, has written letters upon letters to the senior judges in Great Britain and even took out a full-page advertisement in the Times to draw attention to her campaign. She was delivered a devastating blow in June of 2007 when it was announced that no police or soldiers would be charged in connection with the murder. On October 11, 2011, the Finnegan family met with Prime Minister David Cameron and he issued them an official apology for the collusion that took place and resulted in Patrick's murder. Following the meeting, Patrick's son said that he and his family were shocked to learn that the inquiry requested by Judge Corey was not going to take place and instead there would be a review of both the past case files. Geraldine would later call the proposal, quote, nothing less than an insult, a shoddy, half-hearted alternative to a proper public inquiry. She also says that, based on the conversation she had with Judge Corey, the UK Prime Minister at the time of the murder, Margaret Thatcher, quote, knew exactly what was going on, and that the judge had seen papers marked for cabinet eyes only that involved the long-suspected, that involved the long-suspected collusion. The following day, the official apology was given publicly in the House of Commons by the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. On December 12, 2012, the government released the Pat Finnegan Review and showcased the results of an inquiry done by a former war crime lawyer named Sir Desmond De Silva. According to the report, there was extensive evidence of state collaboration with loyalist gunmen and a selection of targets that led to the conclusion that, quote, that there was a willful and abject failure by successive governments to provide the clear policy and legal framework necessary for ancient handling operations to take place effectively within the law. After this, Prime Minister David Cameron acknowledged the shocking levels of collusion and issued an apology. However, the Finnegan family was not so keen on this report and said it was a sham and a suppression of the truth. In May of 2013, state documents dated in 2011 were disclosed through the courts and revealed that David Cameron's former director of security and intelligence, Ciaran Martin, warned him that senior members of Margaret Thatcher's government may have been aware of a systemic problem with loyalist agents at the time of Patrick's murder and had done nothing about it. In late 2015, three former RUC officers, including Alan Simpson, filed a suit against the police service of Northern Ireland and alleged that, in order to cover up a conspiracy, the PSNI obstructed their investigation. In February of 2019, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled in favor of the Finnegan family and unanimously decided that the UK failed to uphold Article 2 of the European Convention on Human Rights, which offers adequate investigation to state-caused deaths. And on June 26, 2020, members of the U.S. Congress urged Boris Johnson's government to set up another inquiry into Patrick's death. On November 30, 2020, the Northern Ireland Secretary, Brandon Lewis, rejected calls for a public inquiry and cited the ongoing PSNI and police reviews, citing the ongoing PSNI and police reviews, 
said that now is not the time for the inquiry. Despite these glaring issues within the case, Patrick Finnegan's murder still, in the eyes of most, remains unsolved with almost none of the people responsible seeing any time inside of a jail cell. Patrick's law firm continues to act for those it considers to be victims of mistreatment by the state or its survivors. And the Pat Finnegan Center, named in his honor, is a human rights advocacy and lobbying entity housed in Northern Ireland. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on February 13th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there is always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.